when someone comes to Christ in the country of Algeria, they're often rejected by their family members. Amin is a church leader in Algeria. He says, when a new believer is rejected by relatives, that's the time when the church shows what it really means to be the body of Christ. We as a church, we believe that uh, we are a family. If you have lost your family, we are your family. And there is a blood that unites us, which is the blood of Jesus. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in the studio today in Bartlesville, Oklahoma with Amin. Uh, At least we're going to call him Amin. Amin is a church leader from the North African nation of Algeria. I don't think we've ever had a guest from Algeria before, so this will be enlightening for you who are longtime listeners. We will uh, kind of update you on the situation for the church there. We'll also give you ways to pray for the nation of Algeria and for our brothers and sisters there. Amin, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you very much. Thank you. I know a little bit about the situation in Algeria just from reading up, but in 2006, the government passed a law to allow the churches to register. So that was 13 years ago. That's right. In the 13 years since then, zero churches have been registered. No no churches have been allowed to register. So why did they pass a law and then proceed to not live up to it, not do anything with it. I think the law was just voted to say that everything in Algeria is is all right. So <laughs> right. it's not for the Algerian, it's for the outside. It's for the outside world. Yeah. Look, yeah. we have religious freedom. See, yes. we have this law. That's it. That's it. How many churches, or do you know how many churches have tried to follow the process or or gone to the government and said, hey, here's our paperwork, we want to register? What happens when they do that? How How quickly do they run into a brick wall? So uh, the government uh, keeps asking people to go to that office. But when they went to see the responsible there, to their surprise, they said that we have no idea about that office. It's something uh, really weird. So <laughs> And Algeria has a different government than it had at the start of this year. There's been change. There's been upheaval there. That's right. What has that meant for the church or for the Christians in Algeria? So the church started 24-7 intercessory prayers. They started in January, praying for the country and for God to do something in our country. So in February 22nd, people get out to ask for more freedom, and for more rights. As a leader, I believe that this is an answer from uh-huh. God. I think as if God is telling us, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Yeah. yeah. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Amin. He is a church leader in the nation of Algeria. So, Amin, you mentioned that the churches did 24-7 prayer. Was that across different denominations and different groups getting yes. involved in that? Yes. So the, the whole Christian community of Algeria— 
committed to pray yes, for their all nation. The, all the all the churches are involved in that movement, the prayer movement. Yeah. One of the things that's happened even in the last couple of months is several churches have been closed. And again, they passed a law in 2006 that said your church can register, but they haven't registered any churches. So now they come in and say, your church is not registered. We're going to close you down. That's right. How many churches has that affected? And what kind of tell me what happens to the church, how that, how that works? So uh, I think— the government wants to just divert the protesters' attention to something else. Mm-hmm. And this thing is related to identity problem. Because when we say Christianity, it is defined by some in Algeria as something that belongs to the Western, to the French, and the Christian wants to see the colonial power come back again. So, so in some ways, Christians are painted as traitors. That's right to the country. That's right. This is what the government wants right. to do. But we were really amazed to uh, those people who expressed their sympathy to the Christians. So we got letters from people from and, Muslims from Muslims. Yeah, they wow. said this is the plural society we are looking for. As a Christian, how does that make you feel to have Muslims in your own country say, you are welcome here, you're a part of Algeria too, just like we are? Yes, this is, I think this shows uh, the maturity of people. So people, they are really growing in maturity. And we have seen what's happened in Syria. We as a country, we had uh, witnessed the Black Decade and uh, it's kind of a civil war where uh, 2,050, 100,000 people were killed. And 250,000? Yes, 200. Wow. Yes, it's quarter million. Uh-huh. Yes. So they were killed and some of them were missing. So, And people, they said, no, we don't know. So I think people, they got this maturity that it's time to separate states from religion. Mm-hmm. So this is this is what I believe is happening right now. Which in a Muslim country would be a humongous step forward. That, yes. That's a very significant thing yes, yes. to say, no, the Christians are just as Algerian as the Muslims are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the, at the meantime, something happened in Tunisia. We have also witnessed in Tunisia that uh, they had an open election the Tunisian, they could uh, separate state from mm-hmm. uh, from religion, and they succeeded so far. So I think this kind of wave is coming to Algeria. Where does persecution come from, uh, other than the government? We've talked about the government, but what happens to a person who becomes a follower of Christ, who, who was a Muslim? What are they likely to go through? The first thing— if they are brave enough and share their faith with uh, with their relatives, uh, they will be kicked out of the clan, kicked out of, of the family. So maybe the first time they will negotiate with him, they will just they will try to convince him that he's wrong. Maybe they will ask an imam to help them. But if the believer refuses, so he will just be kicked out. And sometimes in in the 50s, people were poisoned 
and killed secretly. Honor killing, what we call an honor yeah, killing. This yeah. Is, yeah, yeah, this is kind of honor killing because uh, they were considered as betrayers, as traitors. But uh, nowadays, they are just kicked out of the family or the clan or the tribe. Yeah. So what does that mean to somebody who is kicked out of the family? How, how does that affect their lives? Uh, it depends. So uh, we as a church, we believe that uh, we are a family. So we try to encourage those people that if you have lost your family, we are your family. Uh-huh. You are new, your new family. Uh-huh. And there is a blood that unites us, which is the blood of Jesus. So in, in many ways, the church becomes their family. It becomes their family. Because yeah. they've been kicked out of their that's family. That's right. That's right. Yes. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Amin. He is a church leader from Algeria. Is the church in Algeria growing? Yes. Someone by the name of Ahmed, he uh, came to know the Lord and uh, he shared his faith with uh, his father and mother. And he was kicked out with his wife that was pregnant. Oh, wow. And they went to, they went to uh, a local stable and they spent uh, some days there and then some friends helped them. He insisted, he endured hardship. Uh-huh. And... That house that he was kicked from, she becomes later in thinking seven years, she becomes a local church. And his father came to faith. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is, we have many stories like this. So. so the house that he was kicked out of is now the place where the church meets. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only God could do that. Yes, only God can do that. Yeah. Are there particular parts of Algeria or particular groups of people that are seeing more people come to faith, or is it pretty even throughout the country? No, I think uh, people, because in the Kabylie region, the the community are open. And uh, I believe that uh, many people prayed for this area. Many missionaries went to that region and they prayed in the past. So... Uh, I have read about uh, a missionary who, uh, whose name is uh, Lilias uh, Trotter. She went to Kabylia, to Kabylia region, and she tried to, to share the gospel with the locals. And she prayed there, and she, she has seen nothing. So this reminded me of those uh, heroes of faith in uh, Hebrew 13, 8, that they got the promise but they see nothing. They just believed. And I believe God, what has happening in this area, as if God is honoring those missionaries' prayer. Yes, I think that's a great reminder for our listeners. If, if you are in prayer, there will be fruit. You may not get to see the fruit, but God is not going to ignore those prayers, yes. and uh, there yeah. will be fruit. Yes. We're seeing that in the Kabylie region of Algeria today. We're talking on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Amin. He is a church leader from the nation of Algeria. Uh, Amin, one of the things that we like to do is equip our listeners to pray. So f- let's talk first about the, the nation of a whole, Algeria, uh, there's obviously a lot of political turmoil that's going on right now, but how do we pray for the country of Algeria? I think it's good to pray for the Kabyle region and the Kabyle people to get this uh, awareness that God has entrusted this uh, light to them 
just to diffuse it in in the nation. I, I think that God will uh, burden their hearts to 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 reach their uh, Jerusalem and their Judea and their Samaria and the whole country. Yeah. So pray for a missionary spirit Amen. among the Kabbali people. Yes. Amen. Yeah. How do we pray for the church? And I think particularly of the churches that are being closed or they're under pressure from the government. How do we pray for those groups? Your question reminds me of uh, what Paul uh, said to Timothy. He said to him, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. This is a good prayer request that we may be, we may endure hardship and be a good witness of Jesus, whatever uh, the circumstances are. That's a hard prayer. Yes. Particularly, I think, for us to pray that even in suffering, you and and the people of your church will be good witnesses in the midst of persecution. Amen. Amen. I mean, a lot of our listeners have Muslim friends or relatives or coworkers. They would like to share the gospel with them, but— Many American Christians would say, I'm intimidated. I don't know anything about the Quran. How would I be able to have that discussion? How would you advise our listeners who want to talk to a Muslim about faith in Christ? How, what advice would you give them? Just love them the way they are. Accept them because the Muslims, if you see in the Old Testament, they are like uh, Ishmael. So he was fatherless and he was looking for for this love. Ismail's uh, character portrays, I think, the Muslims people. If someone share with them the gospel, the first thing that comes to their mind is this is a conspiracy. These people wants to they want to to destroy Islam. But I believe if you just accept them the way they are and uh, show Jesus in your life first and let them uh, see what the Lord has done in your life, I think this is a great, great uh, step towards uh, uh, sharing the good news verbally with them. So Relationship. Because, yeah, the relationship is very important. This is what matters in, in the southern hemisphere of the globe and especially in the, the 1040 window. So re- relationships are very important. So. so it might be more about drinking coffee than knowing the Quran. Yes, uh, yes. I mean, really, just building that relationship, having tea, having coffee. Yes. yes. Uh, and then God will open the door out of those Amen. conversations. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, amen. Do you have fear about what could happen to you for being a follower of Christ in Algeria? Uh, yes, why not? As a human, yes, we 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 are, we think of of it every day, every day. So, what we do, we prepare our family, our small family. So we say to them, "Be ready if something happens." So nobody knows what uh, what the future has for us, but persecution can come anytime. So. So we are relying on God's grace to to live every day by God's grace. And when persecution comes, we also uh, will be able to rely, uh, rely on that grace to 
endure hardship also. How do you prepare your families? Other than warning them, obviously, hey, this could happen, how do you prepare them spiritually to go through time of persecution? I think just telling them what's happened to me when I believed in Jesus. So they have learned a lot from my testimony. We encourage them to, to endure the same way we endured in the past, and we are still enduring. Yes. What is your testimony? What happened to you when you came to faith? Uh, I grew up in a Muslim family, and first my family were Muslim secular. But in the midst of the 80s, uh, and uh, with the war that was happening in Afghanistan, the fundamentalist doctrine started to invade the country. And many people were affected by it. And I was among those kids that some people took to, to the local mosque. And we were kind of indoctrinated. So they taught us the basic, the ABCs of Islam, but they taught us to not salute the national flag, not to uh, sing the, the national anthem. They saw in us future leaders. Mm -hmm. And I remember those days when I was, uh, at that time, maybe uh, 12, we heard news coming from Afghanistan about those Algerians who fall in the battlefield. And we were really proud of them. They were heroes. Yeah, they were heroes. And they are martyrs. And martyrs in Islam are considered as, uh, as like a prophet. They can intercede for uh, 70 people from their families. They go directly to heaven. So for someone who is living in a misery and who is promised this life after death, so I think this was a kind of escape. So people, they choose to, to go and die in the battlefield rather to suffer in uh, what they call an apostate country like right. Algeria. Yeah. Or, or in poverty or in yes, whatever. Yes, yes. And we didn't have the satellite uh, channels. We had only radios. And I was listening to TWR, Transworld Radio, and I have heard this, the first time good stories about Jesus. And as a good Muslims, I write down the address and send them letters trying to convince them that they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so they sent me back a letter, and uh, I opened the letter, and I found in it a copy of the Gospel of Luke. That copy of Gospel was designed to look like a normal letter, so that so that they could send it to Saudi Arabia, to Iran, to Algeria, and I opened that Gospel of Luke, and I started reading. And as if something was happening inside me, as if I was thirsty, and this was the kind of water that I was looking for. And I said, okay, I will show this Christian that their Bible is falsified. So I <laughs> started to write something, but at the end of the homework, I found that this Bible is the truth. So how, how can a falsified Bible encourages me to love my enemy? So I said, whereas in the Quran, we are exhorted to 
to fight back, to, to take revenge. But Jesus here is encouraging us to love our enemies. So, and I started comparing the two teaching. And the end of the road, I find myself, I have to take a decision, which is from heaven and which is earthly, which is from another source. And I remember I uh, was listening to uh, Transworld Radio. I was listening to uh, a program whose name is uh, Kitab, which in English is True the Bible. So it was in Arabic at that time, and I was listening to it, and the presenter just invited the listeners to give their life to Jesus. And it was in October, I think 1989. I was a, a teenager, and I knelt down, I prayed after him, that's prayer of salvation. And this is how I come to know the Lord, yeah. So... You were on a path that might have led you to Afghanistan yes, to be a martyr. Yes. And instead now you're a leader in the church in Algeria. I can't imagine that the your friends down at the mosque were very happy when you made this decision. Yes, yeah. What, yeah. what did they do? Ah, it was very hard. It was very hard. I remember I was in the church, in local house church, and I was cooking. And the pressure cook exploded on my face. And I went home and my father said, this is a warning from heaven. And believe me, I, at that time, my, my fate fall apart. <laughs> and uh, I was smoking at that time and I went on the top of my house and I was asking Jesus, where are you? I'm in trouble. Help me. And I felt kind of someone was there and was hugging me. And I started crying and asking, Jesus, you are here. You are here. I can, I can sense you. I can feel you. And it was a special moment, as if Jesus wanted to tell, was, wanted to tell me that, don't worry, I'm here. I'm here. Don't worry, I'm here. Wow. So uh, it was something unseen, but I felt it. And I felt myself. I felt myself wrapped up in I don't know. It's something as if God just sent me a drop from uh, the heavenly joy, just to show me was awaiting me. And I uh, remember the Holy Spirit just reminded me that uh, I should be in joy when persecution comes. And really, I experienced that joy that comes from heaven. It cannot be human. It cannot come from other souls except from heaven. Amen. Yes. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Amin. He is a church leader from Algeria. So once you had that encounter with Jesus on the rooftop, were all your doubts over at that point? Yes, that, yes. That was it. Yeah, that was it. Whatever persecution comes. Yes, I'm, I was ready to pay the price. So you share that story with your family and with your church to help them be ready as well. Amen, yes. And with our listeners. Amen, amen. <laughs> if, if persecution is to come our way, and even if it doesn't, we're still supposed to live with boldness. We're still supposed to... Uh, live boldly for Christ the way you are doing in Algeria. 
Brother, I mean, it is such a privilege to have you with us to share your story, and we will pray this week for the nation of Algeria and for your brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters there. Uh, thanks for being our guest on Voice the of the Martyrs Radio. If you're joining our conversation partway through, I hope that you'll visit vomradio.net. You can listen to the entire conversation. Brother Amin has been giving us his testimony and giving us an update on the church in Algeria and the persecution that our brothers and sisters there are facing. Again, you can hear the entire program at vomradio.net while you're there. Request a free copy of the VOM 2020 Global Prayer Guide, which includes more information about our brothers and sisters in Algeria, as well as other nations where Christians are persecuted for their faith. Next week here on VOM Radio, Uncle Monty will join us. He serves as an uncle, mentoring persecuted pastors in Asia, Africa, and other parts of the world. He's going to tell us about some of those experiences next time right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.